0: It's Monday, February the 17th, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist. Coming up, more COVID-19 cases in China and terrible airstrikes in Yemen. First, the world in brief. More than 70,000 people in mainland China have contracted COVID-19, with around 2,000 new cases per day reported over the weekend. At least 1,770 people have died of the disease. The government introduced even tougher travel restrictions within Hubei province, where the coronavirus outbreak started and most infections occur, and the World Health Organization praised China's containment efforts. Taiwan reported its first death, the fifth outside mainland China. Meanwhile, the Chinese Communist Party's official magazine said that President Xi Jinping had been aware of the outbreak two weeks before he first publicly addressed the issue. That will raise uncomfortable questions about the speed of the official response. Mr Xi has been criticised for maintaining a low profile during the crisis. Saudi-led airstrikes in northern Yemen killed at least 30 civilians on Saturday according to the United Nations, whose humanitarian coordinator called it a terrible attack. A day earlier, Houthi rebels there had downed a Saudi fighter jet. Yet by Sunday, both sides in the war seemed to be making progress towards a major prisoner swap. Speaking at the Munich Security Conference, Stephanie Williams, a United Nations envoy to Libya, called an embargo on selling arms to the country a joke and said a ceasefire there is holding by a thread. Several major powers, including Turkey and Russia, back opposite sides in Libya's civil war. Though all have agreed to end interference, their words have not been backed by action. Also talking in Munich, Mark Esper, America's defence secretary, implored European allies to be more wary of China, which he said presents an economic, security and ideological threat to the old continent. China's remarkable growth is fueled by theft, coercion and exploitation of free market economies, private companies and colleges and universities, he continued. MPs on Australia's Intelligence Committee cancelled a planned visit to Britain. It follows Britain's decision to allow Huawei to build parts of its 5G network and the subsequent leaking of a forthright discussion between Dominic Raab, Britain's Foreign Secretary, and members of the Australian Committee. Australia has shunned the Chinese company on security grounds. And a member of Boris Johnson's cabinet admitted that Britain's budget may be postponed. The Chancellor of the Exchequer is due to present his plans to Parliament on March 11th. However, last week, Sajid Javid, who held the position, abruptly resigned following a row with the Prime Minister. That left his replacement, Rishi Sunak, little time to formulate his plans. And now, here's today's Agenda. Keep the change. New York bans cashless businesses. Many businesses prefer customers to pay using a bank card or mobile phone, and for good reason. Going cashless speeds up checkouts and can reduce theft and inefficiency. But retailers in New York will soon no longer be able to demand that customers tap or swipe. The city's council has passed a measure forcing businesses to accept cash, and Mayor Bill de Blasio's office says it will shortly become law. One in nine New York households has no bank account and one in five uses alternative banking such as check cashing stores, with blacks particularly affected. The bill's lead sponsor says he wants to rein in the excesses of the digital economy by fining businesses that discriminate against customers who lack access to credit and debit. The backlash against a cash-free economy is gaining momentum. Philadelphia and San Francisco passed similar bans last year, and Washington's city council is also pondering whether to follow suit. Storm clouds burst, Japan's economy. Bad news made landfall today with the release of final quarter GDP figures. The economy shrank by 6.3% on an annualised basis, following a 2% rise in the consumption tax last autumn. The government twice put off the tax increase to avoid hitting private consumption, but that only delayed the inevitable. Household spending fell for the third straight month in December. Typhoon Hagibis, which tore through the country in October, also damaged economic activity. The government is hoping that a 26 trillion yen, $237 billion spending package approved in December might buoy the economy, along with the Tokyo Olympics this summer. But most forecasts point to modest growth this year. The coronavirus, which is already disrupting tourism and supply chains, could lop 0.2% off GDP, according to a poll by Reuters. That's bad news for Abe Shinzo, the Prime Minister. Dogged by scandal, some lawmakers already consider him a political lame duck. A feeble economy won't help. A dire strait, the Nile. The pharaohs were masters of the Nile, their successors supplicants. Egypt's Foreign Minister Sameh Shukri spent last week in Washington for urgent talks about a massive new dam nearing completion in Ethiopia. Begun in 2011, it will be Africa's largest hydroelectric dam, a source of much-needed power and national pride for Ethiopia but for Egypt, which relies on the Nile, it seems a dire threat. It thinks the project will drastically deplete the river and wants the dam filled slowly over a decade or more. Ethiopia had proposed as little as four years. Months of talks mediated by America may yield an agreement within weeks, but even if they do, the Nile's future looks bleak. Pollution, population growth and climate change have all lowered the river's level and spoiled its flow. As if to underscore the threat, while Mr. Shukri held talks on Tuesday, his country welcomed its 100 millionth citizen into the world. Taxing Talks Mark Zuckerberg's European Tour Today, Facebook's boss heads to Brussels to meet members of the European Commission. They will have much to discuss. The EU has made a name for itself with attempts to regulate the tech giants, levying 9.5 billion euros, 10.3 billion dollars in fines on Google alone, opening a trust-busting investigation into Amazon and pondering another against Apple, as well as passing the GDPR privacy law in 2016, which Facebook itself is facing several investigations for allegedly breaching. The new commission has made tech a priority, with plans for a single European data market and rules governing artificial intelligence and social media content. Tax has also been a bone of contention, yet on this Mr Zuckerberg appears to be in a conciliatory mood. According to an early copy of his speech, he plans to say that he accepts we have to pay more tax and pay it in different places. Music to the EU's ears. Come in, Nandy, Labour's next leader. Tonight, the three candidates who have got through to the final stage of Labour's leadership race will face off in a televised debate. Emily Thornberry, the shadow foreign secretary, was eliminated last week because she didn't get enough nominations from local party branches. So far, the contest to head Britain's battered opposition has been about mobilising the support of the party's power blocks, such as MPs and trade unions. Now it becomes about winning the votes of ordinary members. So performance in TV debates matters. Sir Keir Starmer, the most moderate of the three, is leading the field by some way. Rebecca Long-Bailey, the left-wing continuity candidate, is second, but both are wooden performers. Lisa Nandy could be the one to watch. Add to her natural charisma the fact that she's likely to be the second-choice preference of both the other camps, and you may have the making of an upset. Finally, here's the quote of the day from Mo Yan, who was born on this day in 1955. Where there's life, death is inevitable. That's it from The Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app, or asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist radio podcast.